Welcome. Hey, you guys have a seat. Welcome to Dwell. How's everybody doing? Woo! So good. Uh, you guys know I love props, and so this might be the biggest prop before. Does anyone remember the piano? All right, that, that was the biggest prop I've ever done. And then we got a baptismal in here that really we could probably baptize an elephant in. So we, we broke a record tonight. My name's Brian. If you're, well, if, you're, if you're new here, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, here's what's going to happen tonight. We're going to do a little bit different of a lesson. It's going to be less of like a preaching sermon and more of kind of like walk through a lesson with you. Um, and then we're going to read an entire chapter of a Bible that hopefully this lesson will make that chapter make a lot of sense. We're currently in a series called There's a King. If you don't know anything about Christianity, maybe you're here and you're just exploring it, if you just look at the word Christianity, there is this word Christ in it. 
And that word means king. And the name of the series, as we explore what Christianity is, we have to start with, there is a king. We know we've gone through this series so far, and we've known that that king's story is good news. It's called the gospel, okay? And that king went to a cross and was killed for sin, but rose from the dead, we talked about last week. This week, there is a king, and he offers us new life. That's the name of the message. Now, uh, if you guys walked in in the back of the tables, if you didn't get one of these, you can each week. We encourage you to take notes, things that stand out to you. I really feel like in my Christian walk, I'll sit in messages and there's certain things that stand out to me. And I used to just think it was because the preacher did a really good job of like making that point. I've come to find out, I think, is that the Holy Spirit is saying like that one. Like you need to know that one. And so I've had the habit of like writing those down. Can you imagine if you guys had like a a dream last night and Jesus said, Julie, tomorrow at dwell, I am going to speak to you. And Julie would be like, oh my gosh, like I'm ready to write this stuff down. Um, Well, here's what we believe. We believe that when we open up the scriptures and we gather together and we ask for God to, to teach us, that he will speak to us. And so we expect him to teach you guys tonight. How many of you guys have been uh, to a wedding? Just raise your hand. All right, so most of us. Did you guys know that Eli and Abby are about to have a wedding? (laughs) Abby, how many days? 25? Eli, is that correct? Did she get that right? Yeah, typical response. That was predictable. I don't know. 25 days, and Abby and Eli are going to be married. Uh, have you gone to, like, really fun weddings? Like, they, there's all sorts of, like, there's very simple weddings, which I really appreciate, and then there's, like, these elaborate ones that are crazy, right? Like, amazing party, I mean, just all sorts of stuff. I've done probably, I don't know, maybe, like, 20 or 30 weddings, um, and there's, like, every time you kind of have this sheet of, like, here are the things that typically you do, like, in the ceremony, there's the father giving away the bride. Do you want to do that? Yes, okay, we're going to do that. Okay, then, then we're going to go, like, they give away the bride right here. I'm going to say these things. And there's, like, a whole structure to the ceremony, right? Now, is it the ceremony that makes them married? Or is it the covenant and commitment that they make to one another? Which is it? The commitment or the ceremony? It's the commitment, right? It's the words that you share. It's the promise that you make. What about the, the ring? Can I be married? Like, am I was like, I'm not married right now. And now I'm married again. Divorced? Remarried? No, that's not how it works. All right. This is a symbol of my marriage. My commitment to Julie isn't, isn't changed by my ring, right? This is just a symbol to tell all the ladies, like, hey, back off. I'm taken. All right? I've got one of these on, so don't even try it. Okay? And it's worked tremendously because it's been like 20 years since anyone's looked at me. Because I think it's because of this. Why is that funny? <laughs> All right, how, how, who's been to uh, Quinceañera? A what? Did I say it wrong? Yeah. Jesse, help me out. Quinceañera. How many of you have been to one of those? Oh, okay, a little bit less. All right, and so this is like a coming-of-age ceremony, right? In the Latino culture, for females 15 years old, you're becoming a woman. 
How about, now this is my background, right? These are my friends. Maybe Aaron, maybe you've been to a few of these. How many of you have been to a bar mitzvah? Like I would say, only a few, okay. Like half my friends were Jewish growing up. I just had a lot of Jewish friends. And it was awesome because in junior high, they throw these things called bar mitzvahs when they turn 12 and they're becoming a man. And it's like a wedding. When they turn 13... (laughs) Uh, I wasn't asking questions. I was just like, what are we having for dinner and what kind of music are we dancing to tonight? Yeah, Amazing parties. And there was a whole ceremony. We used to go to the Jewish temple and there was this routine. Every weekend I went to a bar mitzvah and it was like I knew exactly what was going to happen and they passed out candy and after they read from the Torah, do you know what I'm talking about, Aaron? Did you go to any of these? Oh, you grew up in Scottsdale. You didn't, have, you didn't like Jews or what? <laughs> She's like, why did you? No, I just, I went to a school with a lot of them were Jewish. And, and there was a part of the ceremony where we all chucked candy in the middle of church at the kid that just read Torah. It was crazy. And it was awesome when we danced and we ate and it was like a party every single weekend. Okay, we have things, we have these ceremonies that we go through in our culture that are meaningful, that like becoming an adult, we celebrate with a party. Two becoming one in a wedding, we celebrate with a party. And there's a structure and there's symbols like a ring, right? Like a wedding gown that make this ceremony like very meaningful. Now, I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever been into like, have you ever been like initiated into anything? Okay, so when I was uh, kind of, okay, a few of you. When I was, um, when I went to ASU, we did this thing called the Rookie Show, so if you were new on the team, you had to put, put together a skit, and you had to perform this skit and try and make all your teammates laugh, and that was a part of your, like, initiation into the team. And, and by the way, Tyler, and I, Tyler Johnson and I did a skit that was so funny. We are in the ASU Rookie Show Hall of Fame for how badly we roasted this kid named Mark Ernster. It was amazing. And I'm going to tell Mark Ernster if he's listening to this online, like, I still glory in that skit. It was amazing. All right, so at the end of the initiation, you were like once not on the team, and now you are on the team. Do you guys understand that? Okay, once not on the team, now on the team, and they're going to make you go through this, some sort of initiation or process. Okay, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, is an ancient ceremony. Now, this is one of the most significant ceremonies that you can ever go through. And here's how you know it's this significant. When Jesus rose from the dead, he spent 40 days. Okay, some people just think like he rose from the dead, was like, I beat death, peace, I'm out of here. And he went. It was like 40 days. He opened up the Bible and he explained how all of the Old Testament was pointing and was being fulfilled in what Jesus had done. I mean, he put on a seminary class for over a month so that people would understand who he was. But at the very end of that seminary course, 40 days, he said this, I want you to go out now into the world. I'm sending you into the world. And I want you to make followers, make disciples, call people to follow Jesus in his way. And then when they decide to follow Jesus, I want you to do this ceremony. It's called baptism. And you're gonna take them through this ceremony. And it's like an initiation onto a team. 
And then once they're on the team, I want you to teach them how to live in the pattern of my teachings. I want you to, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I commanded. Go make followers, initiate them through baptism, and then spend the rest of your life you trying to learn how to follow Jesus together. Do you guys understand that? Now, if that's the last thing Jesus said, it's a pretty significant ceremony, isn't it? Now, you pick up, I don't know if you guys know this, but in the book of Acts is the sequel to Jesus' life. It's like what happened after Jesus left. That's the book of Acts. And it opens up, and the Holy Spirit comes down in this miraculous way. And Peter, the scaredy cat that was when Jesus was crucified, was like scared out of his mind and was running away stands up in front of hundreds of thousands of people and proclaims the gospel boldly. And they say, it says that they were pierced to their heart. And they said, brothers, what should we do? Guess what Peter says? Repent of your sin. And what Jesus said to do next is get initiated onto the team. Like, get baptized and be on the team. So we have at the end of Christ's ministry, this ceremony, and then we have the beginning of the church, this ceremony. And a lot of people don't really know what this is, and we don't really talk about it a whole lot, which I think we should more. Do you guys want to, like, you guys want me to help you understand this thing a little bit better? Now, when, uh, when I was in school, uh, we studied this letter. So think about how, like, how many of you would say you do, like, five text messages a day? Like at least five, it, maybe you guys don't text, I don't know, whatever app you use for messages, at least five a day. All right, the main way that we communicate to one another, you probably, is probably with your thumbs through text messages. Back in Jesus' day, obviously, they didn't use their thumbs. They wrote letters. So there are, if you can imagine how many text messages that we're writing, there are hundreds and thousands of letters that were written back in Jesus' day that archaeologists have actually found. And you can read and you can learn about life back in Jesus' day because they have all these letters. Sophia wrote to Eden, and we found this. There was these two ladies back in year zero, and they were having this dispute, and they were texting back and forth, and now we can like travel back in time and know what life was like. Okay, so... I got to study one of these letters, and it was actually two ladies, one lady writing to another in Spain, and she was describing a baptism. And when she described it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is right when Jesus left. She's describing this amazing ceremony that we don't have any evidence of in Scripture. Like, Scripture doesn't tell us how to baptize. Scripture just says, be baptized. So to actually get an account of, like, this is what it looked like when they started, I love, this is amazing. And actually, the Apostle Paul wrote most of the New Testament uh, after this letter was found. So, like, this thing that I'm about to show you precedes even, like, Romans. And many scholars say when Romans is written, Romans 6 in particular, Paul is talking about this ceremony that these women are writing about. All right. So we're going to get into it. But I'm going to use a volunteer. And I've already chosen the biggest sinner in the group. Do you guys want to know who it is? Staff voted. And the winner is, I'm just kidding, Tyler McBurney. Give it up for Tyler McBurney. T-Mac. 
All right, T-Mac already has his uniform on, and we're ready to go. Okay, so in this letter that these ladies wrote, uh, I, want you to, I want you to, yeah, sit right there, actually. Like, all right, perfect. Uh, in this letter that the ladies wrote, it starts with this. There's this group gathering in a pastor, and he's proclaiming the good news. He's teaching them about Jesus' life and how he lived a perfect life And there were signs and miracles that proved that he was special, that he predicted his death, he died on a cross, and he rose from the dead, and now he's victorious over sin and evil. And he has said, all of those that want forgiveness of sins and a new life with God, repent and be baptized. And then a call to the crowd, who wants to go into the waters of baptism? And then she described this long walk from the house where they were at into this pit in the ground. And the pit was shaped like a tomb. It represented, if you guys can see the sign, some of you guys can't see it, it represented death. And they actually shaped it like a tomb to represent death. So Tyler, you can stand up now. They would walk these people to the beginning of death. And she described it like, and you can just stand right here and face me. Because there's stuff on the back I, I want them to read. All right, I picked the tallest guy in the stinking ministry. You guys can't even see me over here. Uh, they walk him to his death, right? And it's this like funeral procession. And then there is this pastor that says, Tyler, you have been, uh, you have been under the influence, under the rule of sin. On, in this life that you've lived, you've felt free. Like, you can do whatever you want, and you're free from any obligation to God or rules or law or anything. But on this side, you've used that freedom to actually obey your real master. And your real master is sin. You've done everything that sin has asked you to do as you follow the evil desires in your heart. And here's the thing. Sin leads to wickedness. And wickedness messes up life and God's life. And wickedness leads to death. Sin, Tyler, leads to death and separation. On the back of Tyler's shirt, now they didn't, I don't think they wore hoodies back then. And I'm pretty sure they're not as cool as what Charles did to this thing. But it says slave, like slave to sin, leads to death, shame, obedience to evil. And then Charles did on the sleeves, a lot of the words that you guys used when you pinned it to the cross, he put those things as like the things that we carry of like shameful things that we've done that we want God to just cleanse us from. So Tyler, they would ask the question, do you want to be freed from that? He said, yes. Everybody give it up. Yes. Hallelujah. Give me your, Jesus will take this, will take this sweatshirt. So why don't you give me the sweatshirt? Now, actually, they would disrobe. Okay, there's no nudity involved. They had undergarments, so don't worry. Everybody just kind of went crazy right there. I saw all the eyes go, naked baptism? What are we talking about here? All right, so then they would lead Tyler into the grave. Okay, now this is, yeah, you got to go up the stairs, actually get in the grave. There you go. Okay. So Tyler has put off this old person. This old body, this old self that was a slave to sin. Don't go under yet. And now he gets into the grave. Now at this point, this ceremony that was a funeral 
has now become a wedding in this really strange way. Because in this death, it's like Tyler is being buried into the death of Jesus, and this is the ceremony. That we're becoming, we're celebrating becoming united with Christ. Like you and Christ in a marriage is two become one. And that's what happens in baptism. That's what we're celebrating in baptism. Union with Christ in his death. Now the word baptism means submerged. And so we're gonna like plunge you down and submerge you. And as he goes under the water, he's being buried with Christ. And in the same way that Jesus rose from the dead, Tyler is now dramatizing the story of his own resurrection. Tyler, get on out of here. Tyler is raised to new life. Don't fall. There you go. Perfect. Go ahead and go here and face me. And the first thing that these ladies described is cheering, which I love about redemption baptisms is it's like we're worshiping and everybody is cheering. Nobody's telling them to cheer. It's just this beautiful picture of this wedding that happens, of this funeral to the old sinful nature and this new birth. It goes from funeral to wedding, and this is like the celebration of a new birth. Have you guys ever celebrated a new baby? Like parties, sometimes guys do cigars. There's all sorts of like fun activities around that. And, and the next thing they would do, now again, not hoodies, but they would clothe this person. And they would put, remember, they put off this old person, and they put on, first time putting on a hoodie, they would put on new clothes. And now this is our uniform, Tyler. And our uniform is Christ. What does Christ mean? King. This is the king's uniform. You're on the team. You've been initiated. And this is like putting on his character. The way that he leaves. Loves, compassion, peace, patience, kindness. And then they would move a little bit further and the women described that they would take a bowl and they would take oil. And you're like, what? In the, we don't do this at Redemption. And they would anoint Tyler with oil. Now, in the Old Testament, if you hear like kings that were chosen by God, they would anoint you with oil. And it's a way of symbolizing you've been chosen to lead, lead God's people. And in the Old Testament, this symbolized also God is giving you the Holy Spirit. So it's saying, like, God's spirit now is on Tyler to lead Israel. That's what it would have been. In the New Testament, the church was saying, you cannot live this new life, Tyler. In your flesh, in your sin, in your own strength, you will not be able to do it. But the gift that Christ has given us is the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he has given you his spirit that's inside of you. And he's chosen you now to go into the world and to represent him. What a beautiful picture of like God now empowering his people. And now the last thing in the ceremony was hugs and kisses. We'll give you one of these. We're not gonna kiss. He's like, then they did this, right? All right, so then they hugged and it was like, welcome to the family was the symbol. And they would come and they would eat a feast together. Now you stand over there. If I stand in front of that speaker, everyone's gonna lose their brain. And they would celebrate a supper together. All the people that had already been baptized would sit around a table and they would celebrate together and they would take bread and they said, the night that Jesus 
was betrayed, he had this meal and he said, as long as we come together, we want to celebrate this thing that when we tear this bread and we share it, it is like we remembering that God gave us Jesus, the bread of life, the bread of heaven to sustain us. And we would share this, you tear a piece off. And they would, oh, that's a big piece. Yeah, you can, you, and then they would dip it in wine. That's not wine, don't worry. And they would share together. It's not bad. It's pretty good. Yeah, you can have the rest. And this is like the blood of Christ. Yeah, you can have the whole thing. Yep. The blood of Christ. <laughs> now, you think like communion, we do like little styrofoam wafers and cough syrup, grape cough syrup. That is not how they did it. Okay. Now, that's like COVID style. They had a feast. This was wine. Did they keep dipping it? You bet they did. They didn't be like, there's one piece of bread. Feast is over. Dang it. I'm hungry. Let's go to In-N-Out. It was like, this was the feast. And it symbolized you're a part of the family of God. And when we come together, this feast, Tyler, reminds us of what happened on, on the cross when Jesus died for our family. And then it also looks forward to something called the marriage supper of the Lamb, when Jesus returns, it talks about a feast. And it looks forward and we're like, every time we take this, we look back at the cross and we look forward to the day he comes back. And it's something that unites us as a family. That's the ceremony. And this was what Jesus said, do this. When you make a new believer, do this and celebrate it. Does it mean I have to do this? Do you have to go through a ceremony to get married? No, it's the covenant, it's the commitment. We're saved by faith. But the fact that Jesus told us, celebrate this, go through the initiation, makes this a very special part of our faith and how we become family. You guys give it up for Tyler. Um, no, I mean, you can take that with you. You can ask Charles if you can have it. I don't know. He's a pretty generous guy. Okay, now if you're asking for this one, you're like, you're in Albertsons, and somebody's like, hey, bro, you okay? Slave, death, shame, obedience to sin. Yeah, I was like, where'd you get that hoodie? <laughs> I won't let you wear that. Okay, now I'm going to read. I, I, now, I really wanted to memorize this for you, and I tried my hardest to memorize a whole chapter of the Bible, and I was gonna, just going to deliver it. But I, when I got up here to practice, I was like stuttering the whole time, and like it just would, it's whack. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it, okay? Imagine T-Mac gets through the whole thing. He's sitting at the table, and he asks this question. We're family. Jesus, yes, I'm in. I'm following. And then he says, so like, can we keep on sinning? Amen. <laughs> Romans 6. No. Now, you think that's funny. That's exactly. Here's, here's. That was amazing. Here's how Romans 6 starts. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that God's grace may increase? No. Did you memorize this? That was amazing. He says, no way. By no means. Then Paul goes and he says, 
we're the ones out of the world that have died to sin. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized, initiated into Christ's team, are actually those that were baptized or submerged into his death? It says, how can we live in that any longer? Pause. You've just transferred teams. You went from, give me a school, U of A. <laughs> yes, U of A. And you've gone through the transfer portal and you've ended up on ASU and then you're on the team, you're doing the workouts and you're like, okay, it's Saturday. Do I get to play for U of A? And everybody's like, what are you talking about? You're a sun devil. Did that work? All right, that works. He says, don't you know that everyone that's been baptized into Christ, into the team of Christ, was baptized into his death? He says, you were buried with him into his death in order that in the same way that Christ was raised from the dead by the power and the glory of the Father, you too will be raised to, guess what? A new life. This isn't just about just forgiveness, but that old life is dead and you've been raised by the power of the Father into a new life. For we have been, remember the marriage, united with him in a death like his. We will certainly be, if we're united with him, we'll be united in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the old body that was ruled by sin, remember Tyler's red sweatshirt, slave to sin, ruled by sin, that body would be done away with. Like we left that body in the water, in the grave. That we should no longer, get this, we should no longer be a slave to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from the rule of sin. Now, if we died with Christ and we believe that we will also live a life with him, count yourselves, T-Mac. Count yourself, Christian. Consider yourself dead to this life but alive to God on team Jesus. Don't let sin rule you in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer any part of yourself to sin. Like, get the imagery. I'm offering myself to my master, and my master is sin. And sin makes me an instrument in sin's hand. Like I'm being used, an instrument of wickedness. Do you guys remember the, the lesson when I said that's messed up? Like things that are crooked? You're an instrument in sin's hand to cause crookedness, wickedness, evil in the world because you're being used. You've offered yourself to a master. We're halfway through the chapter. But rather than offering yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, rather offer yourself to God as those who've been brought from death to life. And offer not just one part of you, but offer every part of you as an instrument and now in God's hand 
God is your master, and with you as his instrument, he's working in the world to do righteousness, to do rightness, to do good. For sin shall no longer be your master. Because you're not under law, you're under grace. Now, pause. Here's the next question that's asked. Remember T. T Max's horrible question? At the table, he says, so can we keep on going sinning? And Paul says, no. Here's the next question. Okay, so what then? Shall we keep on sinning? Because we're not under any kind of law, but we're under grace? All of us have wrestled with that question. So can I just keep on living the old life? Here's what Paul says. What does he say? No. No way. Don't you know that when you offer yourself to someone as an obedient slave, you are slaves to the one that you obey? Whether you're a slave to sin, which, get this, leads to death, or you're uh, obedient, which leads to righteousness. Thank God. You used to be slaves to sin, but you have come to obey the pattern of Christ's teachings from your heart, and Christ has claimed your allegiance. The king has claimed our allegiance. I pledge the allegiance to the king. I'm no longer a slave to my master, which is sin. Listen to this. You've been set free from sin. You've been set free. And you've become servants of righteousness. I'm going to pause one more time, and I've got like two more verses. You've been set free. For the rest of your life, you're going to feel temptation. The old slave master is going to say like, this is the life you want. And often in my Christian walk, I have to say this, you no longer rule me. You're not my God. You're not my salvation. I'm speaking to sin that controlled me when I feel that temptation. Look, I've been set free from that. I don't have to obey that desire. And he says this, I'm using the example of slavery only because it's a human way of thinking. And because you're humans, this is the easiest way for you to understand this. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing sin, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to ever-increasing holiness. When you were a slave to sin, you were free. Here's the illusion, people. Over here, you think like, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to obey those rules. I don't need to obey anybody. And there's an illusion that you are free under any obligation. And the picture the Bible says is you're like a puppet. Like you are obedient. You think you're rebelling against your parents? You're not rebelling against your parents. You're being an obedient slave to your sin. 
You want to talk about rebellion? Is to get into the waters of baptism and say, you are no longer my master. I'm going to be ruled by Christ the King. All of those things you used to do when you were set free over here brought shame and more and more wickedness, which leads to death. But the benefit that you get from Christ, it leads to more and more holiness, goodness, instruments of righteousness. And the result of this life at the end is eternal life, which is life knowing God and living with God forever. Then he finishes with this. The wages, the reward for sin, death. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sometimes when I hear the gospel preached, I get a little bit concerned because the version is not the ceremony of initiation into God's family and God's people and a new way of life. It feels more like this. Like I'm over here living in this, I'm mastered by sin, and somebody goes, do you want to be forgiven? And you go, yeah, I want to be forgiven. And I get forgiveness, and that's the end of the story. And so I continue to live in the pattern of evil, and I continue to enjoy what is killing me and what leads to death. I'm going to go to one verse that we started this whole series with, the good news gospel that Jesus, the king, has come and he's delivered us from the rule and mastery of darkness and he's transferred us into the kingdom and the rule of Christ. Let me pray for you guys. Worship team, you guys can come up. Father, this is just a beautiful picture of the gospel. And I really feel like we miss out because we don't understand the ceremony. But Lord, you told us to do this. And every time we do this, we get to wonder about how you have brought us from death to life. A life lived in slavery to something that would kill us, something that would bring shame, and now a new life with you where we get eternal life and more than eternal life, Lord, we just get to live a new life with you. Thank you is the appropriate response. We're about to sing, Lord, of just thanksgiving for the truth of this moment, what we celebrated and talked about. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Some of you have been baptized. And you guys can stay seated. We're not gonna sing quite yet. I'm gonna set this up. Some of you have already been baptized. And as you listen to this, I know the feeling. You're like, man, when he describes this new life, I really feel like I've come to faith. And yet when I look at that life being ruled by sin or this life being ruled by Christ, I really identify more over there. Like that feels like my life. For the rest of your life, Jesus is gonna say, continue to put off that old sweatshirt and put on your new robes. Colossians talks about it. For the rest of your life, put off the old, put on the new, but he says, this is who you are. 
if we confess our sin and say, that is who I feel like I am, he says he is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and to cleanse us of all that unrighteousness. So we're going to have some staff up front and you say like for the first people, you say, I have been baptized or I have come to faith, but I am really struggling with the sin. I'm still obeying my old master. Come up and just receive prayer. The staff will pray for you. Pray a confession, a repentance prayer, and a renew of your relationship with God when we, when we stop and we worship. The second thing is, some of you have never actually made a commitment to Christ. And if you feel like your heart is pierced, that's how the Bible describes it. Like, I identify that sin is killing me, that it's leading me to more and more wickedness, and I don't like where this is headed. I've rebelled against God, and I want that life with him. As long as it's called today, the scriptures say, repent and be saved. And you can come forward tonight and pray with one of our staff, acknowledgement of my sin and a desire to follow Jesus and be forgiven. And the third thing is this, look, 2020 is nuts. And there's just burdens that you guys have. Sometimes it's because you're living this life and you've just caused problems and you have burdens. And sometimes it's just because the world is broken and there are hard things going on. Here's what the scriptures say, God cares for you. He died for you. On this side, you're his child. And he says, come bring those burdens and cast them to me. If you just want someone to pray for you and you say like, I'm really struggling, I've got these kind of burdens, this is what's weighing me down. Our staff will pray for you and just say like, Lord, take these. You're in control, take these, you care for us. And someone will pray for you. So we're gonna sing a song and I'm just gonna invite you, staff, staff, you guys can come up, some of you that I've just kind of singled out. And if you feel like in this song you want prayer, some of the staff are gonna be off to the side where you can hear a little bit better. Come down, go get prayer, and, uh, and let's worship together.
written in Matthew 11, that out of the mouth of Jesus, this is what he says, this is amazing. Listen to this, he says this, come to me. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened. He says, I'll give you rest. He says, I'll give you peace. So if you want it today, he says, my arms are open. He says, come. And that's why we sing these words today. My heart is yours forever.
Amen.
cause the heart to lie It's an anthem in the making Can you feel it start to rise? Can you hear the generations Getting louder over time? Every son and every daughter Singing out into the night It's not time to be silent Don't you dare hide your light There's a world outside your window So don't let it pass by Lift your hands to the heavens Lift your voice to the sky Praise the Lord of all creation Let His name be lifted high
the world outside your window So don't let it pass you by Lift your hands to the heavens Lift your voice to the sky Praise the Lord of all creation Let his name be lifted high Amen Awesome. What a great time worshiping with you guys. If you want to be baptized, make sure you tell your leader if that's something that you want to go through. We're going to groups now. You're in your uh, rooms as normal. We'll see you guys not next week. We're off for Thanksgiving. The following week, we'll see you back. <laughs>